0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories and welcome to part two of my interview with Clyde Magnuson. Today's episode is sponsored by Brazen Color Country. They sell livestock handling equipment and you can find them on Facebook or on their website brazen.com. That's b-r-a-z-z-e-n.com. Our other sponsor for this episode is Escalani Yurt's. If you find yourself in southern Utah and you're looking for a great place to stay, I would highly recommend them. You can check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or on their website, escalaniyurts.com. I'm super proud to have them as a sponsor for this show, and if you or somebody else you know is interested in sponsoring, please send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. But with that being said, let's dive right in. I don't think Clyde needs another introduction, so we'll just go ahead and get started. <music>
1: Is when we have to, when we started getting using those crossbred cows that's when things really started to to change for us but then we run into the problem that uh, after you get the first cross and uh, then what then what do you do to on, on those so we experience experimented a little bit with brangus bulls and uh, to, to maintain just a percentage of Brahma. But we never, uh, and the cows, the cows was great. The cows were good. They grew good. But we always, you know, the, the market wasn't always as good as what it was on, on, uh, British type cattle. And so we got looking around on what to do. The kids was getting old enough to, to show, have show steers and, we had my mother had always been a, a 4-H leader, and that was kind of a, uh, something that she always liked. And so, anyway, we kind of followed along and getting our getting our kids show steers. And anyway, my Stacy's first show steer was a half-bred Bramma steer, and he was really a good Bramma steer, but he wasn't a show steer, as you can imagine. Of course. Cool. So. Anyway, we got looking for something to, to to cross with and I got looking at the Kianina breed. And uh, I don't know, a lot of people don't know much about the Kianinas, but they were kind of a, an incoming continental influence at the time. And I AI'd some of those uh, those uh, half-blood brahma cows to a Kianina bull and got some calves and they come off the mountain in the fall weighing 800 pounds. And I wow. got thinking, well, that's really something. But but they were kind of extreme. They weren't. It was not what we wanted out of those brand of oh, cows. Really? But, but we did. We we did. We went and bought three full blood key bulls and put on our Hereford cows and and we bought some Angus, some Angus heifers too, and calved them out and and we put them on those uh, Angus cows, and those calves turned out to be just fantastic calves. They, uh, we we got the first crop and the calves grew great. The, all the professors in the colleges and everything said you don't want to keep those, key, those half-blood key cows for cows, so we sold all the first heifers. And the next year we, we got a batch and we kept those heifers and kept some of them and bred them and when they calved we wondered what we had done. And they, they, they calved easy, and, but they didn't have much of a bag. You couldn't see a bag. One the bag hanging down. And, but anyway, the calves got up and sucked, and the cow and the heifers took them and took care of them, and and they took them on the mountain, and they come home as big as any calf we had on the mountain. And they come. The, 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 the Kianina cattle will, will give us everything the Brahma did. They were boss and dicteous just like the Brahma. So they, they give us those resistances and the good things that the Brahma gives to a cow. They are good range cows. They they cleaned up all the udders on those herford cows so we never had any trouble with the calves sucking bad udders. And anyway, so Keonina was the thing that really, uh, Keonina influence was what brought us.
2: It helped us
1: along in the cow business. And the reason I'm telling you all of this is we, after we got those half blood key cross cows, then we got looking for something to, to breed them to. And at that same time, the, the Key Angus breed was developed in, in the nation. And we went to Wasiachis, Texas, and bought some, some Key Angus bulls, which is an Angus key and a cross bull. And they were... These cattle were, you know, still in the show ring, and, but we we used them for range cows, and we started crossing on those cross those uh, those half blood cows we had, and then we, we registered some of those cattle and got some registered cattle, and we started raising some bulls and 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 sell the show steers, and uh, I mean things was really going good, and the, the wonderful thing about these cows is they. They were good range cows. And, yeah, uh, and they were. They were doing everything we wanted them to do. And uh, so, anyway, back to the question: What got me interested in, the, in knowing more about the whole industry? I, we were, we, were, I, when we started selling bulls, I had it in the back of my mind that if I'm selling something to, I ought to be able to, I ought to market my customer's product, in other words, market their calves. Mm -hmm. And so the next set of bulls we bought, we went to uh, Valentine, Nebraska to sell of Jerry Adamson. And uh, he was a big key Angus breeder and a key Indian breeder, a big rancher there. And and he, but he was doing a lot on the marketing end. And uh, I got talking to him and uh, he had, entered into what they called the pn beef group at the time and he was buying feeder cattle for him and so he he told me well you you go out and buy these Keycross uh, key cross calves back and, and i'll buy them and put them into this program and so we so we set up to do that and the first load of calves we bought we lined up at the bank to have the money to buy these calves and went and bought a, a semi-load of calves from our customers. And we loaded them up, headed them to Nebraska. And the truck got into Colorado on rabbit ears Pass and tipped over. Oh my gosh. Killed a bunch of those calves and scattered them all. Thank heavens that the bank was good to work with as an insurance company covered the load. And anyway, we come out of that all right. But after that, we, we, we sent him some more cattle and. Uh, but at the same time, there was a group of uh, feedlot operators in, in Nebraska there that was uh, working with XL Packing Plant. And uh, the, the packing plant had identified this group of these feedlot opers, owners, the Andersons, had developed these composite bulls and they were using key, key and, uh and uh, Semitol and Angus, and they they were selling bulls and, and, and raising or buying their customers' cattle, finishing them, and then sending them to the packing plant. And the packing plant had identified that this was a set of cattle that they wanted the bull to multiply. And they uh, so they formed an alliance called Power Genetics with the Andersons there, and, uh, and there was Andersons and George Seward and and uh, Jerry Adamson. They were all involved in this. Jeff Beeger. They were all involved in, in putting this alliance together, and they got to where they uh, they needed more cattle. They needed to spread nationwide, and so Jerry gave them our name, and, and and they come to us and offered give us offered us to give us the offer to to join in this uh, this power genetics alliance. And we looked at it, and we wondered if we really wanted to do it. And then, after time there, we decided to do it. And what we'd do, we'd put our bulls into the into the program, and they'd go and be de- be developed there, and then and then sold out. And but at the same time, the whole idea there was to provide information back to the producer and help them to produce the right kind of cattle, and help them with health programs and and help them to become the the cow calf operations that this alliance wanted, which was a great thing. We figured for for everybody we done business with. Yeah. And so we we joined with them and uh, and and that was one of the greatest blessings that we were ever able to that we were ever given. We that really opened the doors for us. And and, oh, and we go ahead
0: the purpose of the Power Genetics Alliance was to just take the input that you were getting from, from like the slaughterhouses and stuff back to the producer to let them know what they, what, what they liked when they got them to the yep, plant. Is yep. that right?
1: Yeah. And it, it went from not only genetics, but the health programs uh, right from the, beginning they were putting electronic eid tracking tags in those calves and they got to the feed yard so that they were tracked and, and any problems that come up the, the ranchers weren't, weren't necessarily shunned the information was shared to them and give them the information they needed to, to correct any problems that they found it was building a supply of cattle that was preferable preferable to what the the plants wanted and, and, and also to, you know, at the time there was a, a real advancements in uh, cattle vaccines. Uh, we started to see the modified live vaccines and and, and every uh, vaccine company would come and put on a seminar and sell their vaccine. And that would be what the ranchers would do. And then another one would come and sell their vaccine. And so there was kind of hit and misses of these new vaccines that was coming on. Well this program stabilized the vaccine the health programs for the ranchers and give them guidelines and what what to do and then and like i said also shared their their performance and their kill data back to them so they knew whether they needed to add muscle or whether they needed marbling uh, it it really was what the industry needed And so we, we started buying customers calves back and that that grew grew to where it is now. My son's actually taken over while we're on our mission to doing that marketing, but uh, it's really been a, a, a good thing for us and for everyone that I think we do business with. I think you could talk to most of the ranches we do business with and they'd be pretty pleased with what it's done for them.
0: Yeah. Would you say that form like joining that alliance has been the one of the biggest changes for good that you have seen in the industry?
1: Yep, yep. You know, uh the first set of calves year we bought calves we sent oh I don't know, four or five semi loads back there and oh well, the next spring I got a call and they asked us to come back and Darlene and I went back there and we went back and spent a week I went to the feed yards, and we seen those cattle in the feed yards, and compared to other pyrogenics cattle that had been there for more time, you know, that had been in the program, and, and we seen seen what could happen, and we brought that back to our ranchers, uh, our those people we were working with, and uh, and and then I don't know, I'd say ten years after that. We met those same feed yards and the same buyers, and they said that Utah cattle are as good as any cattle we get, so we really did turn things help to turn things around in the Utah cattle and the cattle we've done business with,
2: just to shift
0: gears just a little bit um I know I had mentioned to you earlier that I kind of wanted you to go through the process that that a calf will go through from birth until it ends up at a plant and then um ends up in the stores for people to purchase i think it would be beneficial for some of those people listening to have you kind of go through that whole process really quick if you don't mind
1: okay okay well uh i'm going to talk to it as as a western rancher i mean you get into other parts of the nation things are a little different but we've got a special situation here in the in the west i think and i think it's a story that really needs to be told uh these uh in in a lot of this the utah and, and wyoming and i guess arizona the early settlers—they come and settled on the rivers, and they had little farms, and they had little herds of cows, and and they would t- all turn their cattle out on the public range or the, the mountains and the the desert uh, to to range them. And so, when the Taylor Grazing Act came into effect, these users was each given a, a little portion of these permits. And that's what utilized these, these, uh, mountains and this public land that we have. And since then, things have come more consolidated. But the real, inner, the real wonderful thing about the cattle industry in Utah and Wyoming and, mm-hmm. and, and Nevada and is that, uh, we're utilizing cattle to go out and utilize and make, turn protein into something that can't be harvested any other way. And and these ranges, if they're managed right and, and stocked right and the cattle are, you know, distributed the way they should be, they benefit from being used. And then also, the, they're producing something off, off something that can't be harvested any other way, so... In the West here, the calves are born in the spring, whether they're born out on the range or on the farm, and then many most of them they'll be turned out and well, usually around the first of June south it's a little earlier, but they'll go on the on the mountains for the summer and uh and there they they like i say they their mothers and them harvest a resource that that is, can't be harvested any other way. And in doing so, they're also controlling, they helping with the fuel load to, to protect against wildfires and, and, and all the things that, that can happen if you don't harvest it. And then in the fall, they're gathered. And uh, the program that we're on, the, the calves are vaccinated in the spring before they go up branding with a modified live viral vaccine and a, a a Pasteurella vaccine, and then the, the eight-way, and then they come home in the fall, and, and they're we prefer them to be preconditioned. They're meaning, there's different levels of that, but basically, it's given them around another round of shots, uh, at least two weeks before they're they're shipped or weaned off the cow. Or if you if you got a weaning program, they're, they're vaccinated and weaned for at least 45 days and then uh, and then they're shipped to the feed yard but but anyway, they come off the mountain they come off the range and they're vaccinated and then they they go to either a grow yard or to a, uh, a finish yard you know somewhere where there's usually a, a good supply of grain of some kind corn the, uh, the midwest since the ethanol plants have become so abundant and ethanol's got such a high demand they really learned to utilize that byproduct from those byproduct from those ethanol plants to where it is a a large uh, portion of their their rations in these finish, in these feed yards and there you see a cow doing the same thing she's utilizing something that can't necessarily be used anywhere else and the corns, they take the, they make ethanol out of it or or uh, well, ethanol, and uh, and then there's this mash that's left over that's cattle can utilize because they're they're ruminants, and that's the same reason a cow can utilize the range so well is because she's a ruminant, and, and sheep are the same. But but anyway, there there a cow is doing another real uh, benefit to to, to mankind. She's producing protein out of something that can't be used any other way. And then after they're finished, they're usually, now they're taking them up to 1,500 pounds. 12, they were 1,250 was kind of a finished weight. But now they're taking them to 1,500 pounds and then, uh, and then they go to the packing plant where they're, they're, uh, harvested and, uh, I think it'd be interesting for anybody that's really interested to see really what products does come from a cow. There besides the meat and, and the leather, but all the other things that uh, a cow does supply for man's use. Uh, but anyway, that's another subject. But uh, that industry now is these carcasses are taken and they're broke down in the in, in individual cuts into boxed cuts. So you'll have a box of ribeyes, a box of loins. Uh, box of chucks, and then the grocery stores can buy what they want. The uh, the in, the in, this, either the grocery stores or restaurants, food services can buy just a cut of what they want. They don't need to worry about using the whole carcass. And then also that some of the lower cuts and the tongues and livers and that are really in high demand on for export in these third, third world countries so it really makes the, the modern process really makes the carcass uh, or the the whole carcass really usable for for different variety of uses uh, that cover what you wanted
0: yeah yeah that was perfect thank you um I don't I don't know the answer to this one either but how much how much of the carcass of the cow is left over after they have processed all of it?
1: Do you mean not used?
0: Yeah, or is it all used?
1: It's all used. It's all used for something now. There's a That's
0: pretty uh, that's pretty cool to think about then because like you said there they're out on the range making protein out of something that you couldn't harvest otherwise. And then being fed part of the byproducts in the feed yards, like, they're, I don't know, that's, that's pretty cool to think about. None of
1: that going to waste. It really is. House, you know, so. that's, that's a misunderstanding that... Uh, so, it is being sold now is that c- cattle are just an environmental, uh, load that isn't necessary, that really needs to be understood. There's a, oh, there's a, a fact somewhere, or it's, it's called a, when a cow isn't a cow. And I don't uh, have that with me, but it, it's amazing what is produced from a, a carcass. It, everything from gelatin to, uh, makeup uh in- insulin. Uh they they take the, the blood, they separate the white and the red blood cells. The the white blood cells are used for artificial egg supplements and uh you know, just it's, it's amazing what they do with it. It's uh or what can be done with it. You know, the Lord made a cow to be used. And uh that that's that's what we're supposed to do is use them for their they were made for man's use.
0: I like that. Um, yeah. If you were to give the next generation um, any advice, what would that advice be?
1: I think it's really important that they do two things. They they need to tell, just sort of like I talked about, they need to let people know. They need to let the world know what that cow or that sheep is doing out on the, on the range when they see them. Uh, when these young young people go out with with youth groups or or camping with their city relatives or that they ought to take some time and explain to them that uh, that that cow is going out there with a hundred and twenty pound calf when she goes out and uh, she's coming home turning that calf into a six hundred pound calf in in four months on 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 something that can't even Nothing else can utilize. You know, the wildlife can use it, but you can only harvest so many deer and so many elk, and then they they don't use it efficiently like a cow. Uh, I think that's a story that they need to tell as they interact with, with other people out in the out in the outdoors, uh, whether it's youth groups, uh, relatives, and. Uh, the other thing I, uh, I think they they need to let them know that just like we've talked, everything that, that the cow is doing uh, for humanity, uh, that you know the fire fire control or the fuel load control that limits what fire. I, you know, California uh, has a real big fire problem. But you look back in the history in California had huge herds of sheep and cattle that grazed a lot of that country where people have have forced them out. And and the fuels there and, and the Wasatch Front is a lot the same way. Those early pioneers. They had cow herds around them all the time and sheep herds. But it, it limited the fuel loads. And grazing when done properly could be a great tool for that. Uh, yeah. I think. I think that the the story needs to be told is that these cattle are, are raised humanely. They they need to let uh, people know that how they care about uh, these cattle, that they're not something that they, they want to abuse. They want them happy. They want them doing good. They want them feeling good and they want to handle them right. You know, they handle them right. I, I, th- I think that's a misconception that is being sold to the, the unknown public, and and those things need to be corrected. And the only one, the only people that's going to tell the story is is us. So
0: basically education, education would say, you would say is one of the most important things right now, like educating those around yep. us who don't really have any idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's, and it's it's got to be those that are, are, staying or in the business coming up and the business needs to protect their they, they need to let their story be known
0: well I really appreciate you sharing your story with me today it's been fun visiting with you
1: well I'd be glad to do it I hope was something beneficial
0: is there is there anything else that you want to share before we go
1: so I just uh I, I, I'm very thankful to the Lord for being able to have spent my life in the cattle industry. And, uh, I know I've been very blessed that way. And I, it's been a wonderful way to raise my, my kids, my grandkids, there's, there was nobody I'd rather work cattle with than, than my kids and my, my grandkids. And it, it's, it's good to work cattle when you do it right. You know, I uh, I think it's a great blessing that I've had, and I mm-hmm. I wish I wish the true the truths about the industry would would be recognized. You know, just kind of like I just said, it's it's a great way to raise a family. It's a uh, wise man said, if you love what you do, you never go to work. So I've been I've been blessed that. When when uh my daughter Jamie was in elementary they went around and asked uh asked their dads what or asked them what their dads did for work and, and she told her teacher that her dad didn't work. So I, I kinda <laughs> go along with that. I enjoyed enjoyed it so much it wasn't work. But I That's always cool. keep busy. It's a great way to raise a family. And uh yeah I just it, it's a great it's too bad that more people can't experience it, yeah,
0: I guess one more question that I have too is what would you say the hardest part about running cattle where you do is
1: oh I think it's it's beginning to be the public opinion and the the pressure we're getting from uh, recreation uh Especially with this COVID that was experienced, people couldn't travel outside of the country or other places, so they come out into our our country, uh, which is public range. It's uh, you know it's supposed to be managed with this multiple use, sustainable, multiple sustainable multiple use, and we've been able to do real good at this point with grazing and. And the other uses, but I'm not so sure that the recreation use we're seeing coming onto these lands that we've we've managed for all these years is sustainable. Uh, yeah, we we we've, we've got places on our allotments where we've managed and got some good grass and stuff along the roads, and the first thing they do is that's where they come and park their trailers and unload their, their off-road vehicles and put a fire pit and, and then the next one's come along and it's been tramped down, trumped down and the fire pit's there. So now you got more of them. And it's just, I, I, I think that's one of the, the biggest, the hardest things we have to deal with is the, that pressure. I, I think the conception that, uh, that, grazing is bad is uh and and i listened to danny bunton's uh talk and he done a real good about uh, welfare ranching and the misconception there that we're welfare ranchers and they don't understand that the reason this range and everything that we we've managed over the years is what it is is because of the cattlemen the stockmen the the reason the wildlife around and the reason the and that the sage grouse is there, and that is because of the improvements the ponds and the water developments and that, uh, that the stockmen have made. The roads are there because of the stockmen have, have maintained them and uh, you know access is what it is. The water developments, our water rights have been protected because of the stockmen and that there's all these misconceptions that uh, we aren't doing any good. I think that's one of the hardest things. The pressures we get from the, the government agencies—we, you know, we got some. We have some real good uh, people in those government agency agencies, but at times the policies ta- tie their hands so, so much that they can't do what they know they should be doing and what's right. Yeah, I, and I, I, we see more and more of that kind of misconception coming down through the the chain of power
0: would you say that the misconceptions and the recreational problems are kind of a newer concern that used to not be an issue for ranchers?
1: Yes. Yeah. Like I say, it is, it is a a use and pressure that we're seeing that we didn't, we didn't see 20 years ago. The, The country got healthy. The, uh, they used they, they to go camping 30 years ago in a little trailer or a, a tent and a fishing pole. Now they come with a house and a full car garage <laughs> full of uh, <laughs> recreational vehicles. Yeah. Um, and it is a, a, a tender environment we have out there. Years of protection can be damaged in a short time if it's able to be run over.
0: All right. Well, I think that I have asked all the questions that I have had, but like I said, I'm more than happy to keep visiting with you if there's anything else you want to share.
1: I don't know. I probably, probably said more than I should. <laughs> it's all been really good. Thank you. Well, thank you, and thank you for what you're doing.
0: That concludes part two of my interview with Clyde Magnuson. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that you got something out of it because like I said before, he's super knowledgeable and this episode was full of a lot of informative things. And I would just like to challenge all of you to apply Clyde's advice to your life and to do your part and do what you can to educate those around you about what the cattle industry is all about. Yeah.